that you could join us for episode 91 of Fatalists. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne. And Wayne, coming out of the Christmas holidays, uh, I didn't really pick up anything sci-fi related, though I did see a number of films. How about you? Um, yeah, I, I kind of got uh, some... Th- my birthday's in November, so like some things, late presents came in that were sci-fi related, but uh, yeah, nothing in Christmas per se. You're not going to tell me what they were? Uh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. And, oh, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> he said very yeah. sarcastically. Uh, and uh, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I got. Oh, so nice. Very, I still haven't seen that. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I went back and did a double feature with the, uh, uh, was it? Oh, I'm sorry. Rise of the Planet of the Apes is the, the older one. Uh, the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is the new one. Oh, okay. Anyway, I watched him. Oh, okay. Then I've got it backwards. I saw Rise. That was the first one. That was one with James Franco and everything. Okay, yeah. yeah I like that a lot. I haven't seen the second one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's pretty good. Uh, you know, I like the first one better, but uh, there's more uh, talking apes in the in the second one, which is pretty pretty cool. The, the way that it is now, it's, you know, you can, uh, the CGI makes you feel like it's an actual ape talking and not like was obviously a person and um, you know, in a costume. So, yeah, cool. Cool. Well, you know, I, I've said, I, I think many times, and I'm pretty sure your wife is the same. We, we would definitely not, uh, characterize our wives as genre fans, but occasionally they surprise us. My wife, uh, we watched Divergent. I had it on. Suddenly she got interested and then, you know, we had to go back and, and rewatch the beginning again. So we watched the hunger games last night, oh. which she loved. And then I don't know. I I still haven't read the book. I guess we're um, I'm talking all this YA fiction, but uh, I never read The Giver. But I did watch the movie a couple days ago. Okay, I, I still haven't seen the movie of The Giver, but that I read. I read the. I, it's a series, but I've only read the first book, and it was ages ago. It's pretty good. Okay, and I enjoyed the movie. Uh, one good thing for me and my short attention span, it was only ninety minutes, so that was pretty <laughs> right. cool. But but I, I definitely liked it. So yeah, all know. those movies except for um, you know, Divergent. I just I don't know. I didn't didn't care for the movie that much. Yeah, uh, yeah the I book liked was it. Okay, okay. Uh, actually, yeah. the first book in that series was really good, but the other two not so much. Yeah, I'm halfway through the second one now. So uh, now the other show, I know you're getting into i believe the librarians yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, love the librarians and I, i'm ready to give it a second shot okay you should yeah the christmas so. episode was really really good for the librarians but yeah i'm really enjoying that show that's a good one all right well anyway uh we'd love to hear from the listeners maybe you guys could tell us what you're watching and what you think we should be watching and you can reach us at email fatalistpodcast at gmail.com the website, fatalist.podbean.com, and you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab, which I pronounced correctly tonight. Or you can just record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment. But tonight we're here to discuss Season 5, Episode 4 of Lost Girl, starring Anna Silk, Chris Holden-Reed, and Zoe Palmer. But, uh, you know, Wayne, I'm going to forget the do we care because I really couldn't come up with anything. So, uh, okay. do we care that we're not going to do do we care? No, we don't. <laughs> do we so, care that uh, I saw Paul Amos's name in the opening credits? Nice. And he like, was, in fact, in yeah, it. Yeah, like, sweet. Uh, yeah, but a little bit of show news related to Lost Girl. And if you're really, I mean, look, I've, I've said many times, I try to stay spoiler free, and I know you do as well, but I don't really consider episode titles all that spoilery, but 
that's what I'm going to show you. So we have show titles through the end of the mid-season finale. And uh, episode six is called Clear Eyes, Fay Heart. Episode seven, Here Comes the Night. And episode eight, which is definitely telling, End of Phase. So I like the titles. I mean, that's certainly one thing that I think Lost Girl has always done is come up with some just really outstanding titles. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, and they, they, those little, little clever plays on the words and everything there. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, in just one other piece of sci-fi news, 12 Monkeys, the new sci-fi series is going to debut january 16th at nine o'clock so i really like the movie i i keep intending to go back and re-watch it but i'm certainly going to give the show a try yeah the show looks like it's going to be pretty good so we'll, uh, we'll see tonight we're here to talk about season five episode four when god opens a window written by steve cochran who's done many episodes i didn't count them this week directed by marzi almas and it aired on december 28th this is a first time director for, Could be. For uh, Lost Girl, I mean, I'm sure he's done other directing stuff. but And the air date of December 28th, 2014. All right, so we've got an opening scene that we've definitely had before, which is Bo in bed and having sex with somebody, very often Dyson, uh, sometimes Lauren. Tonight, it's Bo's bed, but it's Tamsin. Right, it's, it's not Bo in bed, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's a little, little yeah. shift on the... What we could maybe even call the cons- the traditional opening scene, right? And, and she's having a difficult time remember- remembering this young man's name, which is apparently Tad. Tad. Or Frank, or... <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, so she gave it a solid B+, and then decided some Chinese would be good, and who comes walking through the door holding two bags of Chinese but Bo. But there was a problem, right? She was apparently supposed to have gone home to get weapons to return to help Bo. And apparently they had a little conflict with some Clericon, which right. are cousins of leprechauns. Right. Uh, they inhabit wine cellars. And, and apparently, depending on their mood, they'll either destroy the wine or protect it. And I guess if they're in their impish mood, they'll destroy it. Regardless, Bo seems no worse for wear, decides, well, roommates should share and that's, in fact, what happens. Yeah, that guy made out on that big time. Although he did look a little worried there, <laughs> especially because we don't know whether he was human or fey, right? Well, I mean, I, I kind of assumed he was a fey because she looks like she's getting ready to feed a little bit. Right. And, and Tamsin uh, is not known for self-control, so. No, especially know, but, not now. No, exactly. So, and then the other part of the opening scene, we see this guy, young guy, get on a bus, or I, I'm not sure if it was a bus or I guess it was a subway car. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It it seemed bus ish because he like need to pay the guy to get on, right? Right. So, so but regardless, that's yeah. not important. He's got no money. Convinces the driver to take his grandfather's watch, and then sits next to a girl who's apparently the only person on the car. So as she even points out, you could have had any seat in the bus yeah that's awkward yeah yeah just like dude (laughs) it's empty go sit somewhere else right and then he starts telling her who she is and what she's about and you start thinking that or at least i started thinking that okay is this some kind of mind reading fay or whatever you know says oh you're pregnant running away which of course is not it and then he says oh no i'm joking and then tells her she's actually a singer which she confirms and I guess we kind of learn, because we see him later at the doll, 
he's basically been running cons probably his whole life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when at first, you're right, he started saying, oh, you're pregnant and everything. I thought, oh, maybe this guy does have some kind of clairvoyant power. Uh, but then when she, he was wrong, I'm like, oh, okay. And then he came up with another story that she was a singer. Well, you know, she, you could tell by looking at her, she seems like she's new to the city and everything. And so, you know, like big city, new kid, you know, it's always got to be someone who wants to be an actor or a singer or something like that. So I think he's, you know, at that point, just like, oh, this kid's just really good at reading people, which you would need to be to run a con, right? Yep. Yep. So all seems good. Suddenly an arrow crashes through the window and kills the girl. Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah, that was not good. So, all right. Now, uh, overall, I, I thought this was a pretty strong episode. And, and and the reason I thought it was pretty strong is that it really presented three new story arcs. And, you know, we've got the, the story with this young boy, this young Fay, who certainly has a uh, secret that even he didn't know about. Uh, we've got Ebony's plan to regain her Fayness. And then uh, these murders that apparently are cult-related, which I think we can kind of start adding two and two together and come up with four in this case. But all three of those storylines really leave a lot of room for development. Uh, for sure. Yeah, there's, there's, they, they kick this mother wide open in this episode. All right, well, I guess the main story is obviously this young boy, the lost boy, if you will, that shows up at the clubhouse. And I love how a strange man bursts into their home unannounced and Tamsin barely blinks an eye. Yeah. Right? It's kind of every day. Instead, what do they do? They offer him lunch. Now, to be fair, he does have their private investigator flyer. Uh, and then Bo offers him some clothes when she finds out that, you know, this is, he literally has the shirt on his back, chooses a t-shirt with Hale's picture and this, I didn't realize this at the time, this came out of the enhanced version, that this was apparently the same t-shirt that Ciara found when she was helping Dyson pack to move in with her back in season two, which is you know, kind of a cool touch. I mean, I thought it was cool, just the fact that it had Hale's picture on it. But anyway, he overhears Tamsin, you know, really feeling, and, and probably rightly so, that we need to step away that this kid's trouble. And, you know, of course he is to a to a large extent, right? Yeah, it's one of those TV, like, talk about the person, like, quietly, but they're just in the other room, so they totally hear, overhear everything you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I guess Shakespeare now, really started that stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, you know. Yeah, now, there were some really great scenes in this one, and, and the the next, you know, uh, encounter between Bo and Tamsin really kind of sets this, the later one up, that Bo tells Tamsin, look, if we're going to be partners and roommates, you got to get a few things straight. One, if you say you'll be back with weapons, you come back with weapons. <laughs> Two, they have to learn to speak to each other more civilly. <laughs> and three, we help those who need help. And then, you know, Bo has got that uh, sense of something familiar about this, this young kid named Mark. At first, we're not sure, um, but there, there's definitely some something about him that that kind of speaks to her you know yeah and uh she speaks to him yes <laughs> in uh in her own language later on yeah. in the episode but but he leaves rather hurriedly uh right after tabson discovers that he ransacked the bedroom i'm not sure what did he steal i, I he was holding something there at the end yeah, well, yeah well, you don't know that, but 
it seems like they know like Bo looks at the room just like oh oh he stole that thing you know yeah I mean it was was it a knife was she looking at one of her knife racks I'm not sure but uh, Tamson responds now we do it my way and 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 you understand and I think that's to a certain extent why these two are really liking the dynamic as it's developing and again look uh, she's not going to replace Kenzie in that sense and 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 they're not trying to have her right and it's yeah like so different in how they're because Bo and Kenzie, yeah, at t- times they had to kind of like, quote unquote, work on their relationship, but it always came very kind of easily. You know, we never saw them struggling to figure out what is that. Well, not, not say never, but it seemed like their relationship was always this thing that was always just a, like this constant on the show. You know, we'd never have to worry about it. They would have their falling outs and, you know, they would get mad at each other a little bit, but always that that core kind of definition of what they were as as friends was always there uh tamsin and Bo are, are right now trying to figure out what exactly this is you know and so a lot of their what's what we see going on here is i'm just trying to figure it's almost like if you got like a new roommate you know like how is this going to work how, what do we what's our relationship to one another how do we interact with one another all those things um they're just doing they're just starting on that right now. And we're seeing them go through that process, which is pretty funny. Yeah. And the interesting thing is when you look at Kenzie and Bo, I mean, Kenzie obviously was human. And so in a certain degree, Bo was always the dominant figure in that relationship. And Tamsin's obviously a lot more of an equal, though, obviously Bo being the chosen one, there, there still is that, but there is that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, Bo and Tamsin track Mark down. Tamsin's ready to beat it out of him. Bo tells her to take it down a notch, which precipitates what I, the scene I loved, where they both open up about how the others acts. When you do this, it makes me feel this. Right. It's like this kind of therapy talk where you, you know, um, <laughs> trying to use this, like, I, I don't think you value it or th- you know, things like that. And like, oh, it was hilarious. Yeah, but it does seem to help. So who knows? Yeah. But, you know, but Bo's got his license and the name is Delgado Javier, 387 O'Connor Drive. So, you know, whether or not that's going to be relevant later on, we don't know. But his date of birth, August 15th, 1991, which would make him around 23 years old. Suddenly, Mark senses that he's here, and and this is the first uh, you know inkling we get of what's going on. Bo gets shot with an arrow, same place. Tamson, I love it, just breaks it and pulls it out. Uh, you know, much to Bo's chagrin, but obviously that was the right thing to yeah, do. Yeah. We actually in Boy Scouts, we actually learned what to do if you're ever shot with an arrow. Like, yeah. the best way to pull it out. And I was, I was just remember even at the time thinking. I, I really hope I never have to apply this knowledge. <laughs> yeah. But for Tams, it was useful. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, they're back at the clubhouse, and Tamson, and, and again, we've seen this coming for a while, and, and it really starts to, uh, I guess, percolate a little bit more in this episode. But Tamson kisses Bo to help her heal. And I don't know what it is, but you can definitely see something in Tamson's eyes after she kisses Bo. Initially, it helps, right? But the wound quickly returns, which is not something we've seen before. Right. Well, we've never seen Faye Kryptonite before. Well, that's true. And then uh, as Tamsin kisses Bo again, Lauren walks in holding a bottle of wine. 
oh, so much blood and kissing. <laughs> now, that's yeah. the other interesting dynamic that I've, I'm really noticing here is that Tamsin, it's as if she's going out of her way to... To annoy Lauren. Yeah, with her, her overt you know, yeah. sexual advances towards Bo, yeah. but I, I think they may be genuine on Tamsin's part. So, you know, there's, there's that as well. You know, it's more than just trying to annoy Lauren. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I don't think she's just trying to annoy her, but she certainly takes pleasure in, in annoying Lauren. But, but you know, that's not the reason I think she is really attracted to Bo. Um, but she, yeah, she's this, she does get this perverse pleasure, it seems, out of having Lauren watch and, and kissing Bo in front of Lauren and things like that. So yeah, which is which is odd. I mean, last week we had the scene where the two of them were sitting there in the next room while Bo was having yeah, sex. Yeah, that's right. They had that uh, that bonding moment there. Right. And then and, that's and just it, thrown out the window with a new writer. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the interesting thing with, with any show where you've got, you know, multiple writers uh, you know, oh, look, obviously every show like this has a show Bible where they, you know, they're, they're trying to you know, right. stay on the same path. But but still, now you mentioned uh, Faye Kryptonite, and, and that's apparently what the problem is with her wound that, uh, you know, Lauren is, you know, arrives in the nick of time in, in, from a medical sense. And it turns out to be a metal derived from a parasite. It's a mineral. It's alive. And every time she heals, it splits the wound. You know, Lauren is is clearly in her element here. You know, she's got the two test tubes. One's a male, one's a female. But at the end of the day, it seems it's a tracking device, right? And, yeah, this is the hunter, which is now we get the kind of the supernatural tie-in with this guy. Um, because, you know, and I'm thinking probably we're at a point now where Supernatural is actually a show that influences other shows because, you know, it's been on for, you know, 10 years now. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I think clearly this guy who's a hunter, who's hunting down a you know shapeshifter, werewolf, whatever, uh, in revenge for the death of his family is you know that's totally right in line with we we see that in Supernatural all the time. And that's that's Sam and Dean's early motivation was to you know hunt down creatures uh, because they killed their mother, right, and then you know uh, also Sam's girlfriend. Right. Now, I guess the thing I liked about this episode, it just kept us on edge the whole time because the minute we believe Mark, then the hunter says something that causes us to doubt whether Mark's telling the truth. And it just it went back and forth several times until Dyson came in at the end there and and clarifies everything for us. So, again, great storytelling there. Now, all right. So Bo tells Lauren she has always felt that she benefited by human touch, which Tamsin then feigns choking on her pizza in the background, which I thought was uh, pretty cool. This is sweet and all. And then she goes up and kisses Bo right in front of Lauren again and then licks her fingers. Thanks, T. And it's like, well, what are partners for? So, again, I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, You know, Bo refers to Lauren later in the episode as her ex. Um, Did I miss the breakup? No, yeah, it it seems weird this whole thing and like the lauren bow relationship here in in that it's yeah like uh, like like bow kind of feels bad that she's kissing tamsin in front of her but kind of not really and it just i don't know um there hasn't been any time where they've talked about it and 
I, I mean, it's. I think it's just maybe this elephant in the room. It's this thing that's there. I mean, obviously, there's this relationship between them, but right now they're not addressing it. But I think it's still there. I think it's you know we're going to see it something happen with along those lines soon because right now it's just really awkward and strange, you know. Yeah, but I mean, these episodes and this one again is moving in that same direction. It just makes me really think that that you know my feelings back in the first year of our podcast where I, I i said that it was just a doomed relationship from the start because of the fact that Bo is a succubus and and lauren's a human and and just by nature from everything we've seen succubus are not monogamous uh they clear you know clearly there's the you know lifespan thing to deal with and you know i don't know and and that you know Bo is Bo. so yeah We'll see. Like you said, I, I, I'm sure it's not the end of their relationship, but uh, it's certainly changing. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, all right. So we find Mark trying to run a con at the doll and demands that he tell them, tells them what's really going on. And he goes through this whole story. You know, he's been hunted since he was a child, claims not to know why, uh, implies, you know, he kind of implies that he knows he's fey. And has been waiting for something to happen, which makes sense, right? Because we we know that if you have Fey powers, then both your parents were Fey, right? right. Now, and, and maybe unlike Bo, uh, who was raised by human parents, you know that that he was raised by Fey parents. But regardless, his past sounds a lot like Bo's. He mentions yeah. basically a body count that follows him. Yeah, which is. At the, you know, at the point at this point, we're like, oh, well, maybe that's why you know Bo has this kind of is drawn to this kid because they're so similar, you know, they, because of their life experiences. Maybe that see it goes deeper than that yet. Well, well, right, and I think it's like like you said that as well as you know what, what you know the other thing that we learned that's basically been haunting her uh, you know from the moment she's met this kid. Now, Bo's still experiencing pain in the wound. Mark kisses her. I thought that's how you heal. And Bo's reaction is, wow. Right? It was a pretty big yeah. reaction. Uh, the hunter shows up, though, and we learn it was all a trap. And again, I love Lauren with the trank gun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she must have shot him like eight times. Yeah, yeah. She she definitely went overboard, I think. Yeah. Um, both, uh well, you know, you say that, but how many times have we seen? At least she didn't st- shoot him once or twice and then stand over him, taunting him, right? In- instead of shooting him, you know, uh, a la Prince Oberon, right? Exactly. Well, you know, it seems <laughs> As like every, every other, movie. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, she wants to lock him up at the lab, and Mark wants to kill him, calls him a murderer. <laughs> so, so Lauren Trank guns him too. Now he's in chains at Lauren's lab. The hunter's being questioned. And, and here's where the issue starts getting really cloudy because then he tells Bo that Mark killed his wife and child in cold blood and bit his ear off. Yeah, but, yeah, bad enough to kill his family. But then he bit, bit his ear. That really pushed him over the top, I think. That was, that was the part that just pushed him over the edge. Yeah. You know, him and all his kind hunted hunted us down like chattel. And, and Bo uses the suck you touch to verify his story which complicates things even further because she knows he's telling the truth as the viewer uh, on the one hand i don't know what the heck to think on the other hand i love the storytelling right yeah yeah yeah. absolutely and you mentioned it before how 
yeah, you're right. Like, what what do we think? Yeah. Now, obviously, everybody's still trying to find out what's the truth. Mark admits to Bo that the hunter did kill his mother, which is why he killed the hunter's family, though. I guess we're not really clear if he actually did kill the hunter's family, you know, right. as the, as we learn more about the story, um, admits to just watching him kill her. So he's got the, and again, we, we saw this out of Sawyer from lost where, where he was hiding under the bed as his parents were murdered and then felt guilty for not doing anything. And, and that's what Mark is saying here. And, and again, what could he have done? He was six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it still doesn't take away that like kind of survivor's guilt, right? No, absolutely not. But in this case, it, you know, kind of, I, again, I don't know if this is something that moved Bo even more, but, you know, the next thing you know, they're having sex. Yeah, you know, it's bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, well, I know, especially in Law School, right? Uh, right. <laughs> so, so waking up in bed, Mark's gone. <laughs> Tamson comes in. So how was your talk, Demi? <laughs> yeah, it was a good line. <laughs> exactly. I think my second favorite line after the uh you know, the affirmation scene between the two right. of them. Yeah, right, yeah. So Bo calls Dyson so he can prevent Mark from killing the hunter, which you know makes sense at the time for sure. And and we find, you know, Mark holding a knife to the hunter's throat when Dyson and Vex walk in, which is you know, we'll talk about the two of them in a little bit that, uh, interesting to see them not only working together, but actually treating each other civilly after what we saw earlier in the episode. But Dyson recognizes what's going on and tells Mark that he too is a wolf shifter, right? And points out that this man referring to the hunter has been hunting our kind for centuries. So it's now coming a little bit more into focus. Yeah. And you know, this whole thing about what uh, you know, Dice ends up saying, like this whole cycle of violence just needs to stop. I mean, you can just see that, right? The one, the guys coming after Mark as he killed his family, and Mark is, came after them if he did because the hunter killed his, you know. So it's this violence begets violence that we see. I mean, it's this good universal type idea there, and uh, yeah. Dyson's like, we just, just it just needs to end. Someone just needs to say, just to say, we're going to stop. Now, uh, you know, the final scene of this kind of story arc that, that we're back at the doll and, and Bo's asking Dyson why he let the hunter go. And, you know, you mentioned uh, ending the circle of violence and, and he did to a certain extent read the hunter, the, the riot act and Bo's sitting there watching as Mark and Dyson are eating and they're both going through the exact same movements, motions. She makes the connection which he then admits that Mark is his son. The interesting yeah. thing, though, that comes up then, as if that's not interesting enough, Mark thinks Dyson bailed on his mother, so we're not going to have this this tearful reunion where the two of them hug it out, but Dyson never knew she was pregnant. Right. And it's not the happy family reunion we hoped for once we found that out. Yeah, well, you know, he's still, you know, he's still pissed, you know, Mark yeah. is. He's... And it's, you know, it's one of those things that probably goes home and is able to collect his thoughts and calm down. He'll realize, okay, well, you know, this dude didn't know. But also on the other hand, it's like, well, this, 
you know, what have I been missing? I've been missing a dad my whole life. And here he's been here. He's been around. Though, even though Dyson didn't do it on purpose, he didn't even know that Mark existed. It's still, you know, for, especially as a young guy who's emotional and um, his frontal lobe is not developed yet. He's going to you know, be impetuous and get angry at something like that more easily. Right. Yeah. And, and it leaves obviously a lot of room for Dyson to try to win him over. And again, you know, both of us are staying away from IMDb, so we don't know, uh, you know, how many episodes, uh, I guess this is Luke Billick, uh, how many episodes he's going to be in, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, and the interesting thing, knowing that we've got really two separate seasons going on here, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do in the uh, mid-season finale with this if anything so yeah well you, you gotta think that 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 mark's gonna play a you know fairly significant role at least in the rest of this you know half season here all right now one of the other storylines that's going on is uh you know the crime of the week which uh dyson lauren vex are investigating uh what apparently turns out to be some sort of a fake cult and while taking out the trash in the back alley there are two thugs that approach trick for money and you know i wasn't really worried for trick but kind of but then suddenly we notice that vex is hiding in the shadows using his mesmer turns the thugs on each other but uh there's a problem with with vex doing that right that that apparently the prevailing wisdom is that he's just trying to ingratiate himself back into their good graces which is kind of ironic because He's dark. They're light. Although we, as we've talked, those lines are kind of blurred now. Yeah. Well, we're always doubtful of Vex's intentions because he'll seem like he's on board and he's part of the team. And then he'll do something that's totally selfish and self-serving. So I, I've just, at this point, I've kind of, uh, you know, I don't necessarily worry about, the, you know, certainly you can't really super trust him 100%. But on the other hand, if you need something done, he's very handy in the fight and everything. So he's a bit of an enigma, Vex. Um, All right. So Trick, along with Vex, go to Dyson's, who is, of course, punching the bag, as he always is whenever we go there. But he did have a shirt on. So that was that was different. (laughs) But I was a little taken aback by his violent reaction at seeing Vex. And, And I guess as it transpired, you understand he blames him for Hale's death. Yeah, but at first I was like, "What? Like, what are you talking?" About? Like, I'm like, I'm like going back through last season. Like, wait, what did Vex do? Uh, and and that's oh, okay, it's because he was like kind of harboring, protecting Massimo, right? And and um, you know, it's trick and and trick. Of course, it's better to have a mesmer and not need one. But find out from Vex. I mean, what we already knew, but apparently Dyson did not, and I'm not sure Dyson really cares when he when he pours his heart out to him about having raised Massimo and basically loved him and, and was willing to accept all of his faults. Yeah. It, they said, you know, even Hitler had a mother, right? That, yeah. Um, when you're a parent, you, you loved your kid and obviously not all kids come out to be spectacular people or adults, but it doesn't change. You don't not love them because, you know, like you, and and that's and that's that kind of conundrum that we see with Vex. Like, you know, I I raised this kid, I nurtured him, I I I tried, and he turned out to be a complete douche. But you know, it doesn't change the fact. 
And it'd be right, the I same mean, with anyone. It'd be the same with Dyson. I think Dyson realizes that. Right. And I mean, you know, Vex says it doesn't excuse things, but it clearly is a mitigating circumstance. He was mine and I loved him. And, and you know. Right. Which is interesting. We see that, right, as Dyson discovers that he has a son, right? Right. Exactly. But but then Massimo also reminds him that, Dyson, you were the one that let him go in the first place because Dyson did have a chance to take him out. Right. And, and didn't do it. Now, um, Trick gives Dyson files on three deaths that look sus- suspicious. And Dyson's like, you know what? I swore fealty to Bo. And then <laughs> Trick's like, yeah, well, it's a good thing I'm acting Ash. Yeah. But there then is he, that. Yeah. But then he points out, you know, Dyson, you always follow your conscience. And you don't have to be ordered to do the right thing. Which, uh, I don't know. On the one hand, it was a little heavy-handed on the writer's end but yeah it's okay all right well we we see dyson at lauren's lab and he notices a smell Uh, vex shows up and 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 this is again where we see one of the early violent scenes and he goes through that whole thing do you know how hard it is always doing the right thing and 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 lauren has to basically talk dyson down but he starts to put things together that one victim was a cop and he makes the the connection to a pig pig right Right. One was a prison guard and what was it? Uh, a bull. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then he makes the connection that both of them had their throats slit. They were branded, their organs removed. And he realizes that this was like a ritual sacrifice to the gods. Right. I mean, now we're mm-hmm. going back to, uh, you know, Greek mythology, if you will. And our, our new uh, our new bad guy, the new or bad guy. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Who we'll get to absolutely. And he, the third victim was a Russian who served eight years of a double life sentence. And I'm not sure why Dyson was slow, you know, recognizing how that was odd because Vex certainly says that, um, you know, he must have ratted somebody out, but he didn't rat anybody out because in Russian that would be a goat. So we obviously know we're dealing with some sort of a fey cult and these three ritual killings, which obviously is going to kind of tie into uh, what we see towards the end of the episode. Now, the other storyline that, that, uh, you know, we didn't get to see enough for my taste, but we did see what we got was really good. And that is uh, Evany, you know, on the one hand, is she trying to regain power as Morgan? Yes, probably. But first, she's got to regain her fayness. And yeah, she's got to become fay again, right? Right. And so Lauren goes to visit her, and she's now living at some amazingly huge English-style mansion, complete with English butler. <laughs> and a pretty funny scene yeah. where Lauren's, you know, trying to make jokes uh, with the butler who's, you know, he's not going to crack a smile for anything. <laughs> right. Especially with her fake English accent. You know? Right. And, and Ebony comes riding up on a horse, all decked out in riding gear. Did you catch the horse's name? No, I didn't. Bruce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Lauren admits that only I find me funny. <laughs> right. Now, Lauren's gone there because she needs money for a security system for the hospital. And, you know, it's immediately clear that despite losing her fayness, Evany is every bit the conniving, controlling woman she's always been. Yeah, you take the, yeah, you can take the controlling, manipulative leader out of the fay, but, you know. So your assistant's been murdered. Dish. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, but basically, though, I don't know why Lauren thought otherwise, but 
it's really clear now that Evany has eyes and ears everywhere. And despite the fact that she's not Faye, despite the fact that she's not the Morrigan, she's still in a certain amount of control, particularly in terms of Lawrence Hospital. Yeah, well, she still has a lot of money. It's one thing, right? Yeah, and how does she get that money? I don't know. Well, she's shacked up with a disgustingly (laughs) rich guy. Yeah, Yeah, apparently he's old. I don't think we see him. I don't think we saw him either, yeah. So I I think maybe that joke uh, was meant to, or that comment was meant to refer to a scene that was maybe cut where we actually did see him because of... Yeah. yeah. But regardless, we, we get the idea that she's... Definitely not attracted to him, and what she does what she has to do to remain in the lifestyle to which she's become accustomed. But she does mention the serum, which Lauren kind of just you know pushes aside, and it's not the last we hear because later on we, we see them, and now you know Evany is exhibiting all these human emotions, mood swings. She's crying at the hospital again. What's the deal with the serum? Lauren tries to brush it off again, but not so fast this time, right? Yeah, she really, really wants that serum. So she's got that cage with, uh, I guess, the the evil being that shall not be named because yeah. it's. Uh, but the, she describes it as the most feared creature known to Faye. And I hear I'm going to leave it with you, Lauren. And I really hope something bad doesn't happen. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. one of the questions that, that we'll, we'll talk about revolves around, you know, the serum and, you know, what's up with Evany's Fainus. Now, the last storyline, and again, really brief, uh, Vex and Dyson are tracking down a lead in some big house when he gets his call from Bo. They leave, and then we see in another room, it's that girl from the elevator, right? Right. With the candle. Yes talking to a man who turns out to be dead in the chair. Yes. And I think it's safe to say that she's connected to these ritual sacrifices. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that. Yeah, I think so. Right. And, so, and again, that the tie-in with Greek mythology, because she certainly is, you know, the, the tie-in, because she came around with that whole uh, uh, um, yeah, Persephone episode and, and Persephone, right, and everything. So, um, so yeah, what's going on here? Don't know, but it's yeah. compelling. Yeah, I would say don't know, but like it. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, in, in kind of what I've come to call the culminating scene, we're in a dark alley. Dyson and the hunter meet, and Dyson offers him, in return for his son's safety, turns out again to be a trap. You know, Vex, you know, uses his mesmer to help Dyson. And then Dyson says, I once made the mistake of letting a murderer go because I thought it was the right thing to do. I won't make that mistake again. Vex knocks the knife out of the hunter's hand and Dyson tears him to pieces. So yeah, so much for the ending the circle of violence, right? Yes. Um, but I, again, it, it raises a few questions. And then in the final scene, Bo's worried that uh, Tamson won't let Dyson know about her fling with his son. Um, Tamson, of course, yanks her chain just momentarily. And then she says, I thought there was a time when me and Dyson would, you know, and I thought, oh, Wayne's not going to like the grammar here. Um, yeah. but there was and, a couple times, but I'm, I'm letting it go. Yeah, I know. All <laughs> right. So Tamsin, though, tells her that she's pretty sure Dyson felt the same way. And then Tamsin tells her, you know, she was pretty hard on Mark because she knew he was lying. 
and saw a lot of herself in him. And and again, that's understandable. And that's like you mentioned, Bo seeing a lot of herself in Mark. And, and there was a lot of that in this episode for sure. And then Bo finds Dyson with a bottle and a picture of Piper, Mark's mother, tells Dyson that he's got a second chance. You know, Bo, I love you, but I just want to be alone tonight. And then the last couple of words, if that's okay, which I found kind of strange that he would, you know, it's almost as if he's asking permission. Yeah, well, she is a chosen one, so, yeah. Well, right, but I guess then it goes back to, okay, well, how much have they been healing? You know, has this been such a regular thing that, yeah. that so. Yeah, it, right, right, because, yeah, with a, if that's okay would imply that, you know, it would, it's assumed that they would be together or something, right? Right, That he right. wouldn't be alone. But so, then he says, hey, Bo, thanks for watching out for my boy. He likes you. <laughs> and he could use a yeah. big sis. A big <laughs> I was sis. thinking like, oh, my God, where are we going with this one for sure? Yeah, down some, well, again, Greek mythology. Yes. <laughs> that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah. gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, people, get out your uh, copies of Oedipus. Right. <laughs> All right, so she leaves, and then Dyson notices that the brands on the dead bodies connect he puts the photos together and then the symbol starts glowing and like electrical charges and then i think i even heard thunder outside yeah like yeah started like thundering and raining too i think but yeah yeah like all kinds of stuff that apparently is connected to dyson's putting together the the you know the the pictures yeah so all right so we come out of this episode with a lot of questions and in this case i'm i'm great with all these questions all right number one does dyson know bo had sex with his son uh, clearly not I'm how pre- will he react when he does not well and how will mark react when he finds out about bo and dyson's past relationship so yeah. you know obviously dyson's on thin ice establishing a relationship with his son anyway yeah so this is you know again it'll be interesting to see how long this is kept quiet i mean at this point it's really only Bo, tamsin and mark know and you know i'm gonna believe tamsin and take her at her word that she's not gonna say anything so right so we'll see now and this love which was originally this kind of love triangle with you know lauren Bo, and dyson now it's like a love octagon now Right. Now, on the one hand, you know, the whole age thing, it's not as creepy as I think initially we might think. I mean, I, I think we established that Bo is like around 30, 31, because I think we saw one of her driver's license. There was something earlier in, in, this, in the series that, right. that yeah, we kind there, of established. Yeah, yeah there, there was definitely something we were able to kind of, yeah, put her age in the early 30s. Right, sure. and he's 23, so, right. you it's know, not it's too bad. No, it's not too bad. Now, uh, the other thing that I mentioned earlier, Bo refers to Lauren as her ex. So, you know, while we talked about that, you know, earlier in this podcast, that, that's certainly something we've got to keep an eye on. Are they done? Are they, you know, I, I, again, you know, they've taken a break in the past, but right. I must have missed it this time. Because I, I, I don't think we missed it because I don't think it's, it's like that. I don't think that the relationship is done. Okay. So, right. um so I would say just that, like I said, I think there's, there's going to be some major addressing of that soon. Right now. Speaking of that, why does Tamsin openly try to make Lauren jealous? 
You know, is is she trying to put an end to that relationship? I think we we both agree that there does seem, seem to be something in terms of feelings that that Tamson has for Bo. So, but on the other hand, we've seen her in in really comforting scenes with Lauren, like like we said, where the two of them are sitting in the next room while Bo and Dyson were having sex last right. week. Right. So, so who knows? That, uh, now, how much longer are the Fay? going to stand for the power that lauren has over them and 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 i'm i'm thinking about the light and the dark i don't know i i I just find it hard to believe that this can go on all that much longer you know and then specifically when is ebony going to be turned back i think we've got to see that sooner rather than later that's going to happen soon yeah you know it is for sure right because I, i just don't think it makes sense that as powerful as the fey are that they're going to stand for a human having that amount of power over them. Right. So we'll see how that transpires. And then Dyson kills that hunter. Yep. And we understand why he does it. But for a guy that always does the right thing, even when he knows it's not the right thing, it's going to have an emotional toll on him, I think. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, is he going to suddenly, you know, isolate himself because he can't deal with the guilt of what he's done, even though it was the right thing to do. Right. But, and also as Dyson talked about this cycle of violence, I mean, he's just perpetuated then, right? He he has, he said, you know, it just needs to stop. We just need to stop it. But by killing the hunter, he, the cycle continues. Right. And actually by the hunter's rejection of, you know, not allowing uh, Dyson to stand in for Mark. That, I mean, that's actually what did it. I mean, the hunter was the guy who refused to give up the fight. And so now it continues. So will there be someone else coming after Dyson now? Yeah. And I guess you could make the argument, and maybe this is Dyson's argument to begin with, that yes, it was a violent act, but in the long run, it will help put an end to the circle of violence. So we'll see. We'll see. Yep. But uh, great episode. Yeah, a lot going on here. Uh, it's just especially the the bit with that lady in the elevator, man. It's just it's just killing me. Just trying to figure out what's going on. Well, see, and that's the thing I, I said at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, we've got the story now with Dyson's son, uh, and there are all sorts of branches coming off with that, uh, especially now that that you know Bo and he had sex uh you know the whole thing with ebony and and the fact that she's human and 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 that thing and then of course the the cult related murders which i'm guessing that we're going to see a lot more of that next week yeah well well, yeah soon i mean definitely they've got to address it before the end of the um this half season i think anyway i'm i'm telling you i'm psyched so uh strong stuff yeah, we want to thank you for joining us. And if you'd like to send some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Emails to fatalistpodcast at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the Fatalist website. We'll be back next week to talk about Lost Girl Season 5, Episode 5. It's your lucky Fay. But until next time. You know, Dave, it's, it's winter break here. And I tried to be your friend and nice to you for a whole day. <laughs> <laughs>